Welcome to Good News on Catholic Spirit Radio, a program for teens and almost teens to better understand that the gospel of Jesus Christ is relevant in their lives. And it's a place where your questions about faith and religion can be answered. And now, here's your host, Deacon Al. Thank you, John, and welcome to Good News. I'm Deacon Al. I'm a permanent deacon here in the Peoria Diocese, and we join you on Catholic Spirit Radio every Saturday and Sunday evening to talk about the good news, the gospel. And we see what's in store for us through the writings of of the scriptures, and there's always great, beautiful, powerful messages to be found in there for people of all ages. You don't have to be uh, an adult in the work world or a grandparent uh or someone who's starting to feel their mortality and, and realizing that uh, that all life does end at some point, uh, that's when uh, a lot of people tend to turn in uh, in great speed to <laughs> to the scriptures uh, for salvation. But there's actually there's great wisdom in the scripture for all kinds of conflicts and hurdles that we face day in and day out, uh, whether we're adults, teenagers, young people. Um, there's just great stuff to be mined out of out of Scripture. So uh, today's readings we're going to look at come from uh, the book of Sirach, and Sirach has great wisdom. It's it's one of my favorite books, and unfortunately, it's it's a book not enjoyed by our Protestant brothers and sisters. It's it's one of the books they call the Apocrypha, and so they don't put as much attention to it. Uh, and yet, it's it's through Sirach that we learn about things like free will is explained in the book of Sirach. So I invite you to sit down. It's a, it's a rather short book, but it has great wisdom in it. And we'll be looking at just one section of it today, but it's it's worth a 30-minute uh, a sit down with, with your uh, Bible and, and check that out. Our second reading is Paul to Timothy, and our gospel will be Luke. And that just follows the pattern that we've been setting this these last several weeks, uh, where we've been hearing almost the entire uh, book of uh, Timothy, and almost the entire Gospel of Luke is is covered at this time. So uh, all good stuff. We'll we'll be coming back to that in just a little bit. So this week uh, in history, well, within the last two weeks, we celebrated the 60th anniversary of the convening of uh, Second Vatican, Vatican II, our, our last big uh, ecclesiastic uh, gathering of bishops from the universal church, as well as uh, many, many uh, people from uh, the laity and many people from the Protestant faiths were invited to join into Vatican II as well. Uh, some were participants in committee and and some were just there uh, to witness what was going on. I have a couple priest friends who were in Rome at that time as seminarians and witnessed the uh, this this great a parade of of the church's princes, the the um, the bishops, as they entered into uh, Vatican City, and also got to hear uh, Pope John the Twenty Third, whose uh, a day we just celebrated uh, a few days ago, and they said it was just a magnificent sight to see, just awe inspiring to see, and the message from John the Twenty Third, uh, I think, is is terrific, and it really kind of sums up. What uh, what Vatican II was all about? Supposedly, he walked into the opening session and threw open the windows in the the conclave room and said, "It's time to let some fresh air in." And that that pretty much was what Vatican II was all about. Was it was time to let some fresh air into the church? 
a lot of people misunderstand Vatican II. They think it made a lot of changes in the doctrine or in the dogmas of the church, and it didn't. In fact, it didn't change any of the doctrine. And it only added one dogmatic teaching, and it was a belief that we already had about Mary, one of the five uh, Marian dogmas, uh, and that's, that was added. But other than that, the, the changes that were made in, in the church were more procedural. They were, there were some ceremonial, but they were very careful uh, not to take away from the meaning of the sacraments or the purpose of the church. So the biggest message from Vatican II, as, as I read through the, the papers, is uh, a message of get off the block. You know, up to Vatican II, and, and I, was, I grew up with, with the Latin Mass and, and in the church just prior to Vatican II, we went to Mass to watch the priest give the Mass. Uh, we, were, we were there more as audience than anything else. In fact, I can remember looking around, and while the Mass was going on, pretty much everyone around me had their rosaries out, and they're praying the rosary while the priest is doing the Latin Mass, and that's because they really didn't know what he was saying, but they knew the, ro- they knew the prayers of the rosary. Uh, I knew what was going on only because uh, the, the kids had it easy. We, we all had our own missalettes. And in our missalettes, one side of the page would be in Latin and the other side would be in English. But what really helped was the, the pictures. It would have color photographs. I still have my mind that I got when I was, oh gosh, seven years old, I think, at my first communion, seven or eight years old. And uh, it has these beautiful color photos uh, of the priest as his um, posture would change during the Mass. And so you could look at what the priest was doing, match it to the picture, and you could read in English what he was saying in Latin. And that's how we kept up with the, with the Mass. And that's how it was until I was probably, oh, I think, 12 years old. They probably, uh, that would be 67. We started to see the Mass in the vernacular. I, I remember seeing the uh, uh, communion railings start to come down. But you know what? It's... It didn't change. It it made the mass better for me because now I could participate in the mass. Actually, could say things along with the priest. I could respond to the priest in a more natural way. And that call and response part of mass is so important to our participation, not just our witness of the mass, but our participation into the mass. Uh, and and that still is is the thrust today. I, I think another part of get off the block was to reach out with our evangelism. Uh, as, as, a young, as a young person in, in my early teens, I was raised to believe that the job of, of evangelism belonged to those who were ordained and those who were part of the religious life. So nuns, brothers, priests, it was their job to evangelize the faith out into the community. Our job was to go to church on Sundays I mean, really, that's that was. I, I know that's not what the church intended, but over the centuries, that's what it. That's what it really started to come down to, was that the role of the average Catholic was to go to mass on Sundays, uh, be be in attendance, uh, be there at holy days, take part in the sacraments. But that's really where it ended. Being a good Catholic was being sacramental, and not evangelical. And Vatican II really sought to change all that. 
they sought to make the role of the layperson was to join the clergy and the religious in the role of uh, evangelizing. The problem was that a lot of that was taken incorrectly. It was it was misunderstood before we really had a chance to uh, explain to uh, all the people what that meant we started seeing things go overboard. It wasn't long between when I saw the communion railings coming down in my church at home to being a student at ISU and going to one of my first masses uh, at, uh, at the center there on, on uh, why can't I say the name? The, the uh, New, yes. Newman Center, going to the Newman Center and seeing in, in the uh, procession at the opening of mass uh, students dancing up the aisle in multicolored unitards with tambourines and uh, ribbons, you know, d- dancing ribbons in the air. And I was, I was just aghast at this. I mean, I, I think even today I would be aghast. At that. That's fine for, for a celebration outside of the mass, but in the mass, I mean, there's a dignity that that the, that the mass deserves it's our highest form of worship and i don't know if dancing up the aisles in leotards is is putting our best foot forward when it comes to uh, a serious intention of worship of of christ so a lot of things in in early part of vatican II were just carried out very very badly and and actually still continue to be and that's one of the things that, that Pope Francis has been addressing in his last few uh, uh, documents. He's talking about re- uh, returning the dignity of, of the Mass. Uh, there was a, an occasion, well, this was just before COVID, so we're talking maybe three years ago, where uh, I, I saw online one, one Catholic priest did a Star Wars Mass. And he came out not in his regular vestments, but dressed more like a Jedi with with a lightsaber at his side, and uh, yeah, the whole the whole mass had a had a Jedi theme. It talked about the Force, you know, as as and comparing it to the Holy Spirit, and they're not the same in any means in any way. That's that's taking the 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 openness of of Vatican II too far. So this wasn't just something that happened 60 years ago when, when Vatican II first started to come out. This is something that uh, uh, is still going on today. There's still a lot of misunderstanding. And so Francis is trying to get that back under control. And, and I give him credit. He's doing it with a very light hand. He's not crashing down with a bunch of orders and commands, but he's, he's sending out letters to the bishops and the priests saying, Here's something I want you to think about. Here's something I want you to meditate on. What are we really trying to do during the Mass? What are we really trying to say in the sacrament of the Eucharist? And he's given some great guidance. And uh, hopefully uh, that will be taken with prayerful and loving ears. And uh, we will continue to have um, a Eucharist that is deserving of, of offering to Christ as our sacrifice for all he sacrificed for us. 
You know, if you have a question about your Catholic faith or about Christianity or just religion in general, and you would like me to uh, attempt an answer, I would be happy to here on the air on Catholic Spirit Radio. You can send your questions to goodnews at catholicspiritradio.org, and we'll take those questions and answer them here on the air. I've got a couple questions that uh, if we have time after we look at our scriptures, uh, we'll get to. Actually, I, I really like these. One especially uh, did Pope Benedict allow Anglicans into the church? It sounds so subversive, like he, he snuck him in a back door or something. We'll, we'll talk about that question after we look at our scriptures. So our first reading uh, this weekend's Mass is a reading from the book of Sirach. Um, Sirach is, a, is it's about the wisdom of a, of a Jewish rabbi, a teacher, uh, has some really insightful uh, things to share with us. So today, uh, from the book of Sirach, we, we get this. The Lord is a God of justice, who knows no favorites. Though not unduly partial toward the weak, yet he hears the cry of the oppressed. The Lord is not deaf to the wail of the orphan, nor to the widow when she pours out her complaint. The one who serves God willingly is heard. His petition reaches the heavens. The prayer of the lowly pierces the clouds. It does not rest until it reaches its goal. Nor will it withdraw till the Most High responds, judges justly, and affirms the right. And the Lord will not delay. The word of the Lord. So remember, this is long before the incarnation of God as, as Christ Jesus. This is, this is a very early work of the Old Testament, of the Jewish people, of, of a wise rabbi uh, telling his people about the personality of God. And what it stresses here really is a couple, a couple of things. That although God doesn't turn his back on anyone, but he's especially attuned to the needs of the poor and the weak and the hungry, uh, the widowed. These are the people who, who have God's ear first. Uh, and I think that's important because we're trying to be like God. We're trying to follow in his teachings, which means if this is how God is, if this is who God gives his most attention to, shouldn't this be who we give our attention to? Shouldn't the poor and the hungry and the homeless and the weak and the immigrant be at, at the forefront of our thoughts and I know when I say immigrant, that, that really waves a lot of red flags at people. And, and I'm sorry that it does. Uh, it's become a very, political, uh, a very political item in our lives. And I see and I hear people saying some, some really bigoted, racist things about immigrants, even illegal immigrants, the people who are crossing our borders uh, without going through the proper process. To me, that's a governmental issue. That's, that's not a person issue. It's a government problem. Uh, should, we, should we have uh, stronger borders or not? I'll leave that to the politicians to talk about. But let's talk about the people. I don't know if any of you have been to some of these countries where we're getting uh, our, these immigrants are coming from, legal and illegal. But their lives in many cases, are what we would consider below poverty, horrible uh, conditions. Uh, I spent some time in, uh, in Mexico 
And granted, this was a while back, uh, probably close to 40 years ago. But I have friends who have been there recently, and we've, we've compared notes, and it hasn't changed. Uh, the Mexican government is incredibly corrupt. It cares nothing about its own people. Uh, I was in the Tijuana area. And so on one side of the fence, you have Tijuana, which is a pit, and it's gotten to be a bigger pit. And on the other side of the fence is San Diego. And you can see the golden arches of McDonald's, and you see all the lights and the, the beauty. San Diego is a beautiful place. And the only thing that separates them at that time was was a, a short fence, maybe a six-foot fence, and, and a big field and some searchlights. And it looked like a scene out of uh, a war movie, you know, the, 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 the boundary of the, of the Stalag. And it really looked like people were imprisoned on one side and could see the lights of freedom on the other. I don't blame them for trying to get across that field. I don't blame anyone for trying to get into the U.S. Um, politically, right now, I'm thinking, why would you want to do that? Uh, because I'm, I'm incredibly disappointed in our government. But from just a personal standpoint, uh, I don't fault these people for trying to get to a better life. I don't fault them for wanting more for their children or wanting a decent job or a decent place to live or decent food to eat, or decent water. Just getting decent water uh, in the border towns of Mexico is a life and death battle. So I, I don't blame them at all for even if they had to sneak in. If it was my family and I had to cross that line illegally to uh, get my children some hope in their lives, you bet I would do it. But there has to be a better way. And we have to be more open-hearted about the, the human issue of this and not just be so angry about, well, they're breaking the law. Yes, they're breaking the law, but there's a human side and you need to find that humanity. And Sirach tells us that, that God is partial to the weak. He's partial to the poor. He hears the cry of the orphan and the widowed if these are the people God is, is interested in, they need to be the people we're interested in as we reflect God's love. So as you read through Sirach, think, think about that and think about how that affects us today. Uh, that's not the end of this story. All through our readings today, we're going to hear uh, various uh, facets of this same story. Even in our responsorial psalm, which is, the Lord hears the cry of the poor, I mean, that should give us, uh, again, another clue as to the, the fact that, that these are people who are close to God's heart. In our reading from, from St. Paul to Timothy, Paul writes, Beloved, I'm already poured out like a libation, and the time of my departure is at hand. I've competed well, I've finished the race, I've kept the faith. From now on, the crown of righteousness awaits me which the Lord, the, the just judge, Sirach called him the just judge, will award to me on that day, and not only to me, but to all who have longed for his appearance. And my first offense, no one appeared on my behalf, but everyone deserted me. May it not be held against them. But the Lord stood by me and gave me strength, so that through me the proclamation might be completed and all the Gentiles might hear it. And as I was rescued from the lion's mouth, the Lord will rescue me from every evil threat and will bring me safe to his heavenly kingdom. 
To him be glory forever and ever. Amen. So here's Paul talking to uh, to Timothy, telling him he's he's about to die. He's imprisoned in Rome at the moment, poured out like a libation. He's he's weak. Um, he's looking forward now to his life in in the kingdom of heaven because he realizes that he's about to be executed. And if he's not, he's going to die on his own accord, um, just from his his weakness and imprisonment. But he realizes he's done the best he can. He's followed God the best he can, and he trusts in God's promise of salvation and a life with him in heaven. So he's letting Timothy know, don't worry about me. I'm fine. You need to persevere in what you're doing and and not worry about me. I've I've put myself into God's hands, and I have full faith that he will uh, that he will restore me to to full life. So again, you know, we're we're looking. Paul has joined, has given up everything. He's joined the the families of the weak and the imprisoned, and the sick and the homeless. Uh, he's humbled himself before God. He's left a very uh, rich and rewarding life as a Pharisee in order to become an evangelist for Christ, and now has humbled himself to the point of death and is awaiting his glory in heaven. And he did that through perseverance and through trust in in God's promise and through humility, where he was willing to give up everything in order to follow Christ. In our gospel reading from Luke, Luke writes, Jesus addressed this parable to those who were convinced of their own righteousness and despised everyone else. So he's talking about the Pharisees. (laughs) Two people went up to the temple area to pray. One was a Pharisee, the other was a tax collector. The Pharisee took up his position and spoke this prayer to himself. Oh God, I thank you that I am not like the rest of humanity, greedy, dishonest, adulterous, or even like this tax collector. I fast twice a week, and I pay tithes on my whole income. But the tax collector stood off at a distance, would not even raise his eyes to heaven, but beat his breast and prayed, O God, be merciful to me, a sinner. I tell you that the latter went home justified, not the former. For whoever exalts himself will be humbled, and the one who humbles himself will be exalted. We compare the Pharisee uh, in this story to uh, Paul when he was the Pharisee uh, Saul of Tarsus. Paul ends up gaining God's favor through humility, where this Pharisee loses God's favor through his arrogance. We should all come to church Sunday, Saturday night, any day of the week. When we come before Christ, it should be we should be bringing our sins with us, uh, carrying them in front of us to lay before the altar in our humility. We should all be coming saying, Christ, I'm a sinner. I'm sorry for what I've done. Forgive me. And not say, thank you for all the things you've given me. Not like the homeless guy out, out front who's begging for money, who's dirty, who's smelly, who has an addiction. Thanks for not making me like him and giving me everything I've got. Well, the stuff we've got, the blessings we have, we were never intended, it was never intended for us to hold on to those. It was meant for us to be Christ to others. 
we have those blessings to share in, in, in our mission to bring others to Christ. If all you do is take your good fortune and hoard it, if we just keep it in our in our nice houses and our nice homes and for for us to be able to feast every day. I mean, I'll be honest. I I I'm I'm not some the some days I'm not unlike this Pharisee where I where I am grateful for all that I have. But I I hope I also do enough to try and share that with others who don't have it. That's what Christ is calling us all to, is a sense of humility, that what, what blessings we have aren't meant to be there to aggrandize us or glorify us. We have them so that we can use them to glorify Christ to others by sharing, by taking care of the immigrant, the homeless, the hungry, the poor, the widowed, the orphaned, the imprisoned. It's a big job. That's why there's so many of us. That's why uh, so many of us are, have have been blessed. Not so that we can look down on others, but so that we can share it with others. You know, the scriptures say that for a wealthy person to get into heaven is as difficult as for a camel to, uh, to pass through the eye of a needle. And he's not saying that wealthy people can't get into heaven, but he's saying that we have there's a special responsibility and wealth to say wealthy that's a real ambiguous term i mean to someone who's who has no home and uh, and no income someone with 50 dollars is wealthy so we're just saying wealth is is anytime you have more than another person you're wealthy but we don't ha- we don't have that just to keep we've been sent out as disciples to be Christ-like to others. And so Luke is reminding us, this this parable that Luke is telling us, uh, that Christ shared, is, is to remind us that we need to be persistent in our prayers, we need to be humble in who we are and in the blessings that we receive. And we need to not raise ourselves above others because of what we got, because what we've got can be taken away very, very quickly. In, in the in the flash of a, of a flood or a forest fire, it's easy to lose everything in an earthquake, in illness. Anyone who's who's been through a really uh, serious illness, a prolonged illness, knows how easily it is uh, for whatever monies you've saved to be sucked away by that illness. Uh, there's a very brief moment that that keeps the rich and the poor apart. So uh, what you have, you're expected to be good stewards of and to use wisely and to use in a Christ-like way. So Luke is calling us to, uh, is reminding us to be humble, to be uh, sharing, to be persistent in our prayer, but come before God with great gratitude and great humility uh, together. I have just enough time to talk about this question about uh, that, that came in regarding did uh, Pope Benedict uh, allow the, uh, we'll just say Protestants, because it's not just, um, it's just not uh, folks from the uh, Anglican Church. He, we allow 
people into the Catholic Church from all faiths. We always have. Catholic means universal. So Benedict didn't change anything about allowing people from other faiths into the Catholic Church. What Benedict did uh, regarding Anglicans is only regarding Anglican priests. And it was a process that was actually begun by John Paul II. Uh, no, there's been great uh, um, upset uh, in, in, the, uh, in the church, uh, in the Anglican church. And an Anglican is very similar in a lot of ways to Catholicism. What separated us was the temper of uh, Henry VIII, but the Anglican Church kept many of the doctrines, dogmas, and traditions of the Catholic Church, with a few exceptions. And so a number of Anglican priests wanted to leave the Anglican Church, maintain their ordination, and enter the Catholic Church as Catholic priests. So it took many years, but uh, Paul, uh, John Paul II worked out a program for that. That program was completed under Benedict. And it allows under certain conditions for an Anglican priest to become a Catholic priest and come into the Catholic Church. So that's just kind of a, a quick overhead because we're a view of it because we're, we're out of time. Uh, we can talk more about that perhaps next week and answer more questions from the mailbag. Thank you so much for listening to Good News on Catholic Spirit Radio. Until we talk again next weekend, may God bless you defend you from all evil, and bring you to everlasting life. Amen. You've been listening to Good News on Catholic Spirit Radio, a program for teens and almost teens to better understand that the gospel of Jesus Christ is relevant in your life. Submit your questions to Deacon Al at goodnews at catholicspiritradio.com. That's goodnews at catholicspiritradio.com. Deacon will answer your questions about faith and religion. Thank you for listening to Good News on Catholic Spirit Radio.